<laughs> howdy, howdy, howdy. Good morning. I would have been on time, but I wandered around the house looking for that hour I lost this morning. I just couldn't find it anywhere. Jeepers. Whew. Um, turn with me in your Bibles. We're continuing here in Genesis. Turn with me to uh, Genesis 21 for a moment. So we're continuing with this thought of the upper story and the lower story and how we can cooperate with the purposes of God in our lives. Uh, Genesis 21. Then the Lord took note of Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Isn't that beautiful? The Lord keeps his promises. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah had born to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Wow. You've got the walker and the stroller at the same time, you know. <laughs> you just, I, wow. A hundred years old. Sarah said to him, for God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me, and we do today, don't we? And she said... Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I've borne him a son in his old age. So God keeps his promises. It's a good backdrop. Such joy at the birth of a child. Such a joy to watch him grow up and become a man and find his way in life. Let's uh, pause here a moment and just again dedicate the time to the Lord. Lord, we, we look to your word. We ask you to speak to us this morning. Not merely my voice up on the stage, but your voice from heaven. We ask you to speak to your people this morning. We seek you. We uh, open our lives to you. We ask you to teach us this morning from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So so we flip on over here. Chapter 22 of Genesis. You know, back in school, you always kind of got to tremble up your spine when... He walked into class and the teacher said, uh, take out a clean piece of paper. You knew what that meant, that there was a test coming. And oftentimes the, the time to prepare for a test is not during the test. It's too late then, right? Kids are nodding your heads, yeah, okay. We still got it right. So, uh, so the time to prepare the test is before the test. So this morning we look at the testing of Abraham here in Genesis 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Abraham. You know, as, as an adult, we, we never know when those times of testing will come. We don't know what flavor they'll be. We don't know if it'll be a doctor's report. We don't know if it'll be your daughter calling you saying Silas fell off his bicycle and he's being flown to shock trauma. Or Caleb... T-boned another car. You know, you get the call, they're on the way to the hospital. You, you never know when those trials come. You never know when those tests come, right? Uh, we're, we're all human. We, we all suffer. We all go through these things. Um, it, it, it seems to me that there's kind of two flavors of trials, similar to football, I guess. There's, there's the defensive trial where I'm just, Lord, I'm just trying to hang on here. I'm just trying to keep a, I'm just trying to keep the keep the lead score. You know, I'm just trying to trying to hang on to my faith. I'm just trying to go forward. That, that these that these trials can rock us to the core of who we are, who we what we believe. 
right? Kind of a defensive trial. But then there's, then there's the good side, the offensive trial, where we can step out, where we can say, so-and-so, will you marry me? We can step out in faith. I believe the promises of God. This is a, I, I, it takes tremendous confidence for a young man to do that, right? We understand that. Or, or tremendous, I, I will never forget the day that Julian Smith walked into Bob Evans' restaurant and said, I'm believing God for our church in Carroll County. I'll never forget that. That's offensive. And that's the good stuff. That's what we want to believe God for. We want to step out in faith. We want to move forward in faith. Not just defense, but offense. We want to move forward. Right? That's, that's what God calls us to do. Something bigger than ourselves. Perhaps opening your home or dreaming, praying for your lost neighbor, bringing him a plate of brownies in faith. You, know, have to, you don't have to be a missionary and go with Robbie over to Greece somewhere. I mean, I, I, we can do it right here in our neighborhoods, saints. We can do it right here. Perhaps opening your home or dreaming, praying of something bigger than ourselves, partnering with others to be a part of a life group or planning a church, adopting a child, stepping forward in faith, asking God, God, would you bless this? Would you, this is what I believe you've called me to. Will you bless it? And in every season of life, the Lord wants to be magnified through us and in us. He wants us to step out in these tests of faith. I just wanted to take a moment here and recognize my faith partner, Miss Lisa. Um, I know, you roll your eyes. <laughs> it's okay. I can embarrass you for a minute. She's been uh, such a good faith partner. She's always cheered me on. Last night, I'm walking around my little living room doing my sermon. She sounds, sounds good, honey. Sounds good. <laughs> She's a Proverbs 31 woman. Uh, the heart of her husband trusts in her, and I will have no lack of gain from her love and care for my life. Do you have a faith partner? Do you have someone who, who tests you, who moves you forward? These things um, can come on us. You know, I, I love my props, so I got my props here. They, they can come on us like, like, go ahead, a slide or two here. Uh, it, it can be like, yeah, okay, two flavors of faith, and then here we go. You know, the, the, you can feel like you're on God's anvil, like he's just beating on you, right? That, that God's doing something, but I don't know what it is, and it doesn't feel very nice, right? That God tests us, just like a blacksmith tests metal, right? And what's the goal? Is he trying to destroy it? No. What's the blacksmith do? He's shaping it. He's fashioning it into something useful. He's giving it strength. You put, the, you put the metal in the fire, and it comes out, and it's stronger than it was before. I, me and my boys, we were so excited. We got the blacksmith for a day. We go up to Carroll County, and, um, you know, we had our railroad spike. We were going to turn it into a nice knife, you know, and, and so we got up there about 8 o'clock. Well, three, four hours later... We still had this hunk of metal that didn't look anything like a knife. <laughs> What's the problem? Well, the, the steel is only moldable for maybe 15 seconds. So you heat it up, you heat it up, you heat it up, you wait, you wait, you wait. Is it hot yet? No. Then you pull it out, and then you've got 15 seconds to pound on it and fashion it, right? It's not as easy as you think. So isn't it so with us? that we're in these teachable moments where God could strike us, where God could help us see his provision, his glory, his care 
a little bit stronger in those moments of testing. So that's what we get to here this morning with Abraham. I love the verse here from John 6.21. It says, uh, but he who practices the truth comes to the light. This is talking about light and darkness and how, who are we listening to? Who are we running to? Are we running to the dark or are we running to the light? But he who practices the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be manifested or shown as having been wrought in God. The word there is the same for fashioning the iron. Raw iron, that's what it is, right? It's worked iron. It's, it's the skill of the craftsman is shown off by the beauty and functionality of that piece of steel that he's created, right? Such it is with us. Same in our faith. That God rots us through the challenges and tests of life. The time to prepare for our tests is before the test. In the everyday rhythms of life, to be building our trust in Christ, to be strengthening our muscles of faith and obedience. Before we get to the uh, Isaac and move here to the long walk to the Holy Mountain, did, did you catch the, 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 the most remarkable part of the story, the most remarkable truth in this story here? If we go ahead a slide. is what? That a holy God calls a man by name. Did you catch that? God said, Abraham. He called his name. That, that simple truth should just stop us in our tracks. God desires your fellowship. God desires my worship, my fellowship. He calls us into a relationship with him. Has God called your name? Have you heard his call on your life? Michael, David, Brian, Bill, whoever. You know, it's kind of like Put your name here. We could go around the room, name after name. We could go through the whole church and tell our account, tell our story of the account of a holy God who reached us often in darkness, often in pride, often in our lostness and our brokenness. A holy God here like Abraham, where the upper story meets the lower story, where God intervened. He called us. He reached us as his children. He showed us his great love. He called us by name. He claimed us, made us his children, brought us home. Are you on a first-name basis with God this morning? I hope you call to him often. I hope you talk to him often. Do you start your day with an open Bible and a listening heart? Are you cultivating and nourishing and, and, and building your relationship of faith with him? Has the call of Jesus on your life been received? Are you listening? Are you following him? In Israel, we visited the little fishing village of uh, Capernaum right there on the Sea of Galilee. More about that next week. We look forward to that. But it's there that Jesus called his disciples. uh, Peter, James, John, Andrew, I think. So four of those men came right from that little fish. It's it's no bigger than the the, uh, Wild Lake River Hill. It's no bigger than that shopping center next door to us. Small little town. You You begin to get a sense of the humanity of Jesus, of how small his world was. And, and how limited and finite he must have felt in being as a man. But, but he did. But he called his disciples there. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Are you called? Are you following? Him as your Lord. This past Tuesday morning we gathered as a pastoral team. And we invested the whole morning in prayer. 
just praying for the church. And the Colossians, uh, these verses came to mind for me. Colossians 1, 9 through 11. It says, For this reason also, since the day we've heard of it, we've not ceased to pray for you and ask that you be filled with the knowledge of his will. See, that's what Abraham is seeking here, isn't it? He's seeking to follow the will of God. He wants to do what God wants him to do. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthen with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience to keep out this thing of faith. Joyously giving thanks to the Father who's qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He's transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, forgiveness of sins. That's the mission of the local church. That we would know God, that we would follow God, that we would represent him in all his glory and fullness and light and forgiveness. Do you, do, you, do you get a sense of that? Do you, when you walk in the doors of this church, I hope you do, I pray you do. But are you bought into that mission? Not only is it a place to come on Sunday morning, but, but does, it, does it capture your heart? Does it capture your vision? Does it capture your passion? The, the local church. This is his body. This is his body, saints. That we are people who reflect his light, redeemed and forgiven, to be a Christ follower, to be part of his church, that you and I would join our lives together in mutual submission of love and unity to glorify God together. Are we personally engaged and invested in his church? Do you believe in the mission and task of the local church? Are you representing Christ and telling others about him? Well, Abraham sure did. He wanted to follow his God. With all that he was and all that he had, we see his response. And it's as remarkable as God coming down and saying, Abraham, it's his response. Just three little words, just packed with meaning, though. Here I am. Wow. Have you told God that lately, saints? Here I am. All my flaws, all my failures. Here I am. So much is conveyed there, isn't it? I'm attentive, I'm listening, I'm available, I'm ready to serve, I'm obedient, I'm submission, submitted, I'm yielded to your God so much in those three little words. What a wonderful phrase. Uh, David, if we rebrand the church, I think it should be that we're a here I am kind of church, that we're available, we're ready to serve, we're ready to help, we're ready to be called on by God. So here comes the hammer, verse two. Take your son... Your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I will show you. I'm sure Abraham fell out of his chair. Could there be any greater test of Abraham's faith or trust in his Lord? Of all the challenges of the Bible, this this one sends shivers up my spine. It stands out from all others in its severity in taking the life of your son and in its intimacy. It's not, I could, I could take it, let's go, let's go fight a foreign army. Let's go to the walls of Jericho and march seven times around and look stupid and the walls come down. Okay, I, I can get that. But you want me to take this boy and sacrifice him? 
Human sacrifice is abhorred in the Bible. We understand that, right? But, but here, it's, it's not out there. It's in here. Lord, you're ripping out my heart. I, I, I don't see how Abraham grappled with this. But we'll look at that this morning. It goes against all the intuitive nature as a father to protect and provide and care for my family. It demands complete trust and overwhelming commitment to follow and listen to his Lord. The challenge of Abraham here, if we're completely honest, is can I trust you, Lord? This is a big task. Can I trust you? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. We can always trust our God to carry us, to pull us through, to provide a way. And then there's the whole secondary aspect of our perception of God's directions. Did, did, did I get that right, Lord? Is this what you want me to do? Of doubting ourselves, doubting our ability to discern God's will, right? In 1984, we, uh, we graduated Virginia Tech, and we're saying, okay, well, where, where could we go? Find work, find a job. And we wanted to put the spiritual things first. We wanted to be in a close fellowship. We wanted to be in ministry. We wanted to be engaged. We had met Jesus Christ at, through the Navigator Ministry. And it just kind of seemed that we should stay with that organization. So I reached out to, uh, uh, to the, there's a Navigator Ministry here in Columbia. And I reached out to him. I said, you know, we have, a, we have an interest in joining with you. He says, I don't want your interest. Oh. Don't want, okay. He says, I want your commitment. Big difference. I want you to know that God is calling you to Columbia. I want you to have a sense of purpose, a sense of direction, a sense of this is where we're going. Because sure enough, he said, if you get there and the bottom drops out of your life, I don't want you to go back to, well, maybe I've made a bad decision. I want you to be able to go back to God and say, God led me here, God will sustain me. And that's exactly what happened. Tremendous blessing, got a job with Howard County Schools and got a, um, a borrowed car and a place to live all in one day. Um, but then later that winter, I lost that job. We had a miscarriage. I couldn't get the car through Maryland inspection because it was a Mike Lowe kind of car. And, <laughs> you know, like the Flintstones, you put your, the, the mechanic said, son, I have to look underneath the car and see not carpet, but steel. I said, okay. <laughs> he says, go get, a, go get a, a, a garage sale sign from Home Depot, and if I can look up and see steel instead of carpet, you pass. <laughs> Ron's laughing. Ron's worked on cars with me for years. Um, so it, it took us, it was a struggle getting the car through inspection. Anyway, so here I am, February, I'm riding my bicycle across Columbia to get to the carpool so I can get to Glenwood Middle School to keep my job. You know, it just... Tremendous struggles. But see, the big difference there. I so appreciate that man. Because he, he made me go back and see God. That was a restless night. But it was worth it. The wrestling with God. Is this, God, is this your will? Is this what you want for me? Right? Never doubt in the dark what God has whispered to you in the light. Right? But most often, we understand perfectly what the Lord wants us to do. But we're like the 14-year-old who says, I don't want it. Right? It's our stubborn wills get in our way. Times when I have to submit to his will and authority, when my emotions have to be brought into alignment with his words. What's Abraham do? Verse 3. 
Tremendous example. Got up early. What an example. He saddled his donkey, took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. He chopped the wood for the fire, burnt offering, set out for the place God told him about. On the third day of the journey, what? Three, three days of walking beside my son, who you want me to sacrifice. Wow. Can you imagine the inner turmoil of this man? God, I thought you were going to make me the father of many nations. I thought, remember that sand on the seashore thing and all the stars in the sky thing that Julian showed us? Where, where's that promise now? If I kill this boy, what happens then? We don't hear any of that, do we? But does the Lord want to hear our hearts when we don't understand? Does he want us to go back to him in prayer? Absolutely. When we're unsure, go back to the Lord. Follow him, though. It's like... God took all, or Abraham took all the human wisdom and all the reasoning and set it aside and said, no, this is the word of God. This is what I will follow. I will follow what he has told me, right? And when the word of the Lord is on your side, all that other is like chaff. It just gets blown away. Hebrews eleven seventeen gives us some insight into what Abraham was thinking at these moments. It was by faith, there it is, It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Beautiful explanation of his faith. Abraham's hope was firmly rooted by faith in God. See, the object of your faith, your, your, your faith is only as strong as the object in which you place it. If you put your faith in education, nothing wrong with it, but it's not going to redeem you. It's not going to save you, right? If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you will never be disappointed. He carries us. Back to the story, back to Genesis. Abraham looked up, saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. I and the boy will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. He's still faithful here. He still has eyes of faith in these moments. We go ahead. So Abraham placed the wood on the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. While he himself carried the fire and the knife, the two of them walked on together. Isaac turned to Abraham, his father, says, Father, yes, my son. Abraham replied, We have the fire and the wood. The boy said, But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Hmm. Can we pause here a moment? Did you notice there's something of Abraham's faith that's rubbing off on this boy, Isaac? How are we doing here, dads? Are you... Uh, are you keeping your pink Bible handy? We, this was when the kids were little. We would, in the evenings, we'd break out. A, and the cover fell off of it. And I had some old wallpaper. And we bandaged it up. But it was our pink Bible. Go get the pink Bible. And the kids knew what that meant, you know. Are you still doing this? You still believe in this? You still believe in the value of a family devotion? of gathering your kids around as difficult as many ages as we had to try to keep the older ones engaged and the younger ones. But 
but just a simple picture Bible and just going through and saying, God was faithful here and faithful here. And how about your day? Did we, was God faithful to you today? Did he teach you something new? Did, he, did you learn something new from God? So I just want to encourage you here because you see it, this phrase over here, is used, God uses it twice in the story, and they both walked on together. Love that phrase. Because that happens too when they grow up and get old and start having their own kids. You're still walking on together in faith. You're still pursuing a life of faith together with your children. Such a valuable thing. What's Abraham's response? He says, God will provide a lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Love his response. And they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God told him to go, Abraham built the altar, arranged the wood on it. He tied up his son Isaac, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. So now we see a bit of Isaac's faith, his trust in his father, his willingness to be bound. Remember, he was big enough to carry the firewood. But even if I got Xavier out here and said, hey, boy, I'm going to tie you up, he's not going to let me do that. He's only three, right? Right? So we see Isaac is, he knows, he's been to sacrifices before. He's, he, he understands what's happening here. Right? But we see no evidence of struggle. Rather, just a humble trust on the part of Isaac. Makes you wonder, you know, when he was older, what he reflected back on this moment. Abraham. He picks up the knife. Moment of decision, isn't it? Am I going to follow through? Am I going to do what God has asked me to do? Picks up the knife to kill his son for a sacrifice. Graciously, at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, yes. Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You've not withheld from me your son, your only son. Can you imagine the relief, the joy, the wonder of it all, both for Abraham and for Isaac, right? Abraham looked up, saw a ram caught in its horns by a thicket. He took the ram, placed it as a burnt offering on his son, in place of his son. Abraham called the place Jehovah-Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. But everything in the story points forward, doesn't it? It points forward to a father in heaven who would sacrifice his son. And you know it's in about the same place, Mount Moriah, same as Jerusalem, that the Lord would sacrifice his son. Makes you think of John one twenty nine, says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was the perfect sacrifice. He made the way for us to have a relationship with God. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Our faith in Jesus Christ not only provides us for eternal life through him, but also all the resources that we need to live a godly life now. In Romans 8.31 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? For he who did not spare his own son, 
but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also give us all things, freely give us all things? In other words, he's given you the most expensive thing he could have ever given you, Jesus Christ. He's given you his son. Do you think he's going to withhold anything from you now? Resources of joy or encouragement or fellowship or faith or his word. All those things are freely yours. He's already given all he can give. We go back to Genesis. Verse 15, just to close out the text. said, the angel of the Lord then called to Abraham from heaven. He said, this is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me and not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name, I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. How about us? Are we obeying our God? I encourage you this week, perhaps today, with a yielded spirit and an open Bible that you sit down with the Lord and say, here I am. How can I follow you, Lord? Would you, would you build my faith? Would you help me to be a man of faith, a woman of faith? How can I follow you more fully in these areas of faith? And to tell the Lord, here I am. How is the Lord strengthening and refining, purifying your faith in Christ? What are the challenges of obedience that he may have brought to you lately to obey? And then do you see your ram in the thicket? Do you see your provision? Do you see the way that God wants to enable you to keep your promises? See, it's not just human willpower, is it? God's got to help me, and he wants to help you. He's got a ram in the thicket for you. He's got something that he wants to give to you that will help you in your steps of faith. So look for that provision of God as you move forward. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for the story of faith. How a man can respond to God in belief, in action, in laying down our lives and obeying you. Lord, thank you for the tests of life. Thank you that you prove us, you refine us, you purify us. And we cooperate with you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.